0: Welcome, Wanderers. Thanks for listening today. In fact, thank you for over 5,000 downloads. I've enjoyed our journey together and look forward to wandering throughout all of Middle Earth with you. I saw a recent review in Apple Podcasts that I wanted to share. This is from the Rocket Girl, who said, quote, I haven't read the books, but I have seen the movies. Aaron brings the characters to life and makes connections that I wouldn't have known about. I gotta go read the books now. I love this. This was my hope in starting this show, that others could deepen their enjoyment of the world of J.R.R. Tolkien. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and a review, and share with a friend. On today's episode, I will break down the three houses of the race of men who came into Beleriand and allied with the elves. These stories provide the family history to two of the most well-known characters in Middle Earth, Aragorn and Elrond. Wait, you say, Elrond is an elf, and aren't you talking about the houses of men? Yep, you'll see how Elrond, aptly titled the Half-Elven, fits in just a moment. This episode is an analysis of the chapter called of the coming of men into the West, in a book called The Silmarillion, written by J.R.R. R. Tolkien and published after his death by Ballantine Books in 1977. A link to purchase this book from Amazon is in the show notes. Welcome. In the Beginner's Guide to the Lord of the Rings podcast, we explore the foundational epic stories from the deep past of Middle-earth. If you enjoy J.R.R. R. Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power... If you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Lago Vangen, fellow Wanderers. Today's episode date is March 31. On this day in Middle-earth, in the year 2942 of the Third Age, Bilbo and Gandalf rest at Bjorn's house after the Battle of the Five Armies. And in the year three thousand and nineteen of the Third Age, it's been roughly a week since the One Ring was destroyed. This is adapted from the Today in Middle-earth History calendar on the OneRing.net let's check the map. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. I do a quick figurative map check each episode to help you get the context of what's been happening. But if none of this makes sense, you're welcome to back up a couple of episodes and catch back up, which I hope you do. It is the first age of Middle-earth. The elves hold a siege against Morgoth, the Dark Lord, who has stolen the Silmarils and maintains a fortress in the north of Beleriand. Nargothround and Gondolin have been established as secret havens, should the siege against Morgoth fail. The elves, being the firstborn of the creator Iluvatar, have not yet had dealings with men, the second-born of Iluvatar. Let's start with the first meeting of the elves and men in Beleriand. More than 300 years had passed since the Noldarine elves had come into Beleriand. Finrod, a son of Finarfin, and brother to Galadriel, was traveling alone in the eastern regions of Beleriand. This area is the west side of the Blue Mountains, which are west of where the Shire would later be in the third age of Middle-earth. In the distance, he sees fires in the evening sky, And hears songs sung in an unknown tongue. So he sneaks closer for a better look. Finrod has found the first house of men that traveled over the mountains into Beleriand. This is the house of Beor the Old. Finrod waits until they are all asleep, then moves among them and, taking a harp, starts to sing a song of the bliss of the undying lands in far off Valinor, which each man was able to interpret according to his mind's abilities. Finrod dwells with the men for roughly a year, quickly learning their language due to his previously unknown ability to understand their thoughts when they spoke. Thus he learned that the men were leaving a great darkness behind them, ever seeking for the light in the west. What was this darkness that men were leaving behind? The elves later surmised that Morgoth had first found men after their awakening, and, attempting a preemptive strike before they could ally with the elves, sought to create fear in the hearts of men. For, quote, To corrupt or destroy whatsoever arose new and fair was ever the chief desire of Morgoth. Now, the elves never fully learned what Morgoth's deeds and lies among the first fathers of men were, but they perceived that some fall of grace had occurred, similar to the elves' own fall from grace in the kinslaying. Remember that line I mentioned a few episodes back? This line is from a letter that Tolkien wrote to Milton Waldman, which is included in later editions of the Silmarillion, quote, All this stuff is mainly concerned with the fall, mortality, and the machine. So, just as the elves had fallen, so did the men, though the details of that fall were not quite spelled out. This particular house of men, the house of Beor, was forever loyal to the house of Finrod and his kin, since he it was who first taught them wisdom. Let's make a connection here. One of Beor's descendants is a man named Badahir. We'll dive into his story in in a future episode, but for now, Badahir will save Finrod's life, and as a token of friendship, Finrod will give Badahir a ring. This ring will pass to Beren, whose powerful story we'll get to in just a couple of weeks, and eventually this ring passes all the way down to, you guessed it, Aragorn. It's the very ring that Wormtongue describes that Saruman recognizes in the Two Towers movie. But this isn't about that ring yet. We're talking about the House of Beor, of which many thousands of years later, Aragorn is a descendant. The men of Beor's house are described as having dark or brown hair and gray eyes. Now, let's jump to the description of Aragorn when the hobbits first meet him as Strider in the Fellowship of the Ring. Quote, He threw back his hood, showing a shaggy head of dark hair, flecked with gray, and in a pale stern face, a pair of keen gray eyes. In fact, Aragorn's great eyes are brought up quite a few times throughout the Lord of the Rings books. And, fun fact, while Ron Aragorn's physical description that he inherited from his family history, because there are two strains of elven blood in his family lines, he would not have had a beard. As Tolkien wrote in later Years, and as captured in Carl Hostetter's book The Nature of Middle Earth, quote, Aragorn and all his ancestors were beardless. So, Peter Jackson took some artistic license there, and if my vote counts for anything, which it doesn't, I much prefer a bearded Aragorn to a smooth baby-face Aragorn. Without a beard, all those romantic scenes would be muted in their power, and he would have looked far less gritty when he opens the double doors to Helm's Deep in the Two Towers. I love that scene, but I digress. One last detail to note about the House of Beor. In Doriath, King Fingal is not happy about all the newcomers in Beleriand, and says that no man, even those of the House of Beor who serve Finrod, will come into Doriath. But in her wisdom as a Maiar, Melian shares a prophecy with Galadriel saying, quote, "One of men, even of Beor's house, shall indeed come, and the girdle of Melian shall not restrain him; for doom greater than my power shall send him, and the songs that shall spring from that coming shall endure when all Middle-earth is changed." Now, there's a lot to unpack here. First, I wonder why she chose not to share this prophecy with Thingol, but instead confided in Galadriel, which if you think about it, Galadriel had a pretty awesome setup, being able to learn wisdom and be mentored by the demigod Melian. This prophecy is referring to Baron, who we've hinted at before, and is one of the most enduring tales of Middle-earth, as Malian further indicates. The changing of Middle-earth that Malian mentions refers to a colossal rearranging of the physical world that signifies the end of the First Age and start of the Second Age of Middle-earth, when the island kingdom of Numenor will have its prime day. And indeed, the songs of Beren do endure into the Third Age of Middle-earth. If you're lucky enough to have watched the extended edition of The Fellowship of the Ring, there's a scene where Aragorn is leading the hobbits through a swamp, He's singing a song at night while the hobbits sleep. Frodo asks what the song is and Aragorn doesn't give a straight answer, but he is singing a song of Baron and Luthien. So that's the House of Beor. Many eventually settled with Finrod at the cavern fortress Nargothrond, or with Finrod's kin in the north central land of Dorthonion, and they were faithful to the elves throughout the First Age. The second house of men to come into Beleriand was the House of Holodin. Originally ignored by the elves, they were attacked by a roving orc band and pinned against the corner meeting place of two great rivers, where at last they were saved by Kadanthir, the son of Feanor. They eventually migrated west under the guidance of their female chieftain Haleth and protected an area of land northwest of Doriath. While their deeds of the First Age were valiant, these people are not really mentioned in any other histories for Middle-earth. And besides having names that remind me a lot of the Rohirrim, I can't really find any connections to them throughout the Lord of the Rings. So if you know of one, please send me an email with the reference to Lord of the Rings podcast at gmail.com. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game, a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable apocalypse, every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to wandering. The third house of men who came into Beleriand and allied with the elves was the House of Barak. This was a large and slow-moving group, much like the third group of the elves, the Teleri. But unlike the Teleri, they marched in well-ordered rows, military fashion. They settled at first in central Beleriand, and initially viewed the elves more as friendly rivals than actual allies. At one point they are holding a council about where they should go, when one who appeared to be Amlak, one of the grandsons of Marak, claimed that the Valar in the west didn't exist, that the elves didn't want men around anyway, and that they should leave, and let the elves alone in their war with the Dark Lord, which many of the hosts resolved to do. However, Amalok soon returned, and denied that he had been at the council, and those who wanted to ally with the elves saw here that even the dark arts of Morgoth were at work among them. So this house eventually split, some going south, some returning east out of Beleriand, and some following Amalok into the north to the service of Maedros the son of Faenor. A man of this house, Hador, eventually became the greatest king among the peoples of men. He was called Hador Goldenhead, because he and his people had blonde hair and blue eyes, I call out Hador because from his line will come Turin and Nienor, also known as the children of Húrin, whose story together is one of the greatest tragedies in literature. Also from Hador will come Tuor, who will find his way to Gondolin, the hidden city. Tuor is the father of Arendil, a great mariner in the first age and whose story is intertwined with the fate of the Silmarils. Arendil is in turn the father of Elros, the first king of Númenor, and Elrond of Rivendell. Yes, Elrond is indeed part elf and part man and is given the moniker of Half-Elven. We'll get into that story much later, for now it's enough to call out that the mortal ancestors of Elrond came from the House of Marak. So those are the three houses of men who came into Beleriand and allied with the elves. Because they allied with the elves, the name Edain, which I talked about in a previous episode, was more narrowly applied from all men to just these three houses. The House of Beor, from which we get Aragorn, the House of Haladin, and the House of Marak, from whom Elrond is descended. The men marched under their own leaders and flags, but were friends with the elves, and from them learned great wisdom and lore. The lives of the men who came into Beleriand were lengthened, mostly due to their association with the elves, particularly with the Noldor, who had seen the light of the two trees and lived in the blessed realm of Valinor. But the elves were surprised by the passing of men, whose lives seemed so short in comparison to their own, and they mourned the loss of their friends to a phenomenon that they did not understand. But Beor, being the first great elf friend, actually, quote, relinquished his life willingly and passed in peace. This willingness to pass on to death after living a long, full, meaningful life is a key characteristic of the noblest of the houses of men, and we'll see when we get to the kings and queens of Numenor that when men begin to fear death and not pass away in peace, that will lead to the downfall of great civilizations. This fact of contrasting lifespans between the elves and men is a major sticking point for many that are tracking Amazon's Rings of Power show. The writers of that show claim that they are condensing the timeline so that the human characters aren't dying off every couple hundred years. But the contrast of immortality versus mortality is a major theme of Tolkien. In fact, it's the major theme. I'll quote that line again from the Waldman letter. All this stuff is mainly concerned with the fall, mortality, and the machine this is the point of The Lord of the Rings. These are Tolkien's thoughts on such deep questions of the human soul, like how to live a meaningful life, even if it's short when compared to the immortality of the elves. How to leave a legacy that lives on, through the generations of men, the passage of time, the downfall of civilizations, and upheaval of the world. How to dare great deeds, experience great tragedies, and find love, even in defiance of death and darkness. This is the essence of the Lord of the Rings. Thank you for listening. Please join me next week where I'll discuss the breaking of the Siege and Morgoth's campaign to destroy the Elves. Hi friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. For feedback on the show, please email me at Lord of the RingsPodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at Beginner's Guide, L-O-T-R Podcast. Until next week, remember, not all those who wander are lost. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.